The following program is provided by Renew Your Mind Ministries. Welcome to Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God radio program, an in-depth study of the Word of God. The program name is from Romans 12.2, which says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Welcome back to the Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God radio program, which is a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, in-depth study of the Word of God. And we're going to begin a new chapter. We are in the book of John out of the New Testament. We've already done the first chapter, the second chapter, and today we're going to begin the third chapter. And if you missed any of the previous shows where we talked about verse by verse, chapter by chapter, chapters one and two of the book of John out of the New Testament. You can always, you can hear those shows at any time at our website at www.rymm.cc. Those prior programs are at the website and you can listen to them day and night. And I encourage you to do so to get caught up. And you can always catch us here on 90.1 WMPR on each Tuesday from 9.30 to 10 a.m. So let's recap from last week. On last week, we finished the second chapter of John, the book of John out of the New Testament. We looked at verses 13 through 25, where Jesus cleansed the temple We talked about the reason why Jesus cleansed the temple, because there was an area of the temple called the court of Gentiles, which was designated for the Gentiles. Those are non-Jews by heritage, birth or blood who wanted to praise and worship God. But over the centuries, that area had become a marketplace where they sold the animals to do the necessary animal sacrifices during the Passover and also to exchange their money into a currency or a coin that the priests would accept to pay the temple tax, which was used to for the upkeep and maintenance of the temple. And Jesus cleansed that area because instead of it being the place it was intentionally, um, instead of it being a place of worship and praise of God, it turned into a marketplace. So Jesus cleansed it of it because They had gotten away from his original intent. We also talked about Jesus predicted his death, burial and resurrection when he said that the temple will be destroyed and the temple that he was referring to was his body and that it would be raised in three three days or be built again in three days. But the people did not understand him at that time, but he was predicting his death, burial and resurrection. And that chapter closed out again, chapter two of the book of John, where Jesus where it says that Jesus did not trust or entrust himself to men because he knew or know the heart of all men. And he knew that many of the people that were following him during that time was not necessarily interested in him, in his message, but more so interested in him for entertainment purposes and to see the miracles that he was performing. And so that's the end. That was the end of chapter two, which we talked about on last week. Again, this program, we're going to pick up in chapter three, the book of John at the New Testament where Jesus talk about the rebirth, which is very, very important because once you become a Christian, you are reborn. Your spirit is regenerated or reborn. 
And that's what we're going to talk about this week, because that's what this or these particular verses talk about. We're going to read from the book of John, chapter three, verses one through twelve. Again, verses one through twelve. So if you would go to your Bible or go on your Bible app and go to John, chapter three, after the New Testament, and we're going to be reading reading verses one through twelve. And then we're going to come back and break them down. So. Verse one. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, but no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Verse three, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Verse four. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Verse five, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one who can en- no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Verse six, flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Verse eight, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Verse nine, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. Verse 10, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So that's verses one through 12 out of the book of John of the New Testament. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for being our God. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to read and study your word. We ask in your son, holy name, that you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to better receive and understand your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. What I just read again was out of the NIV version, international version. So you may have a different version of the Bible that you're reading. So you didn't see the words exactly as I was reading them. And for the rest of this program, as we go through verse by verse, I will be reading from the NIV version. So let's look at John chapter three, verse one, where it says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. As we talked about before, the Pharisees was a legalistic, extremely moral group of Jews. They were the educated Jews. Uh, They were committed to purity by doing things and not doing things by all these laws that they introduced on top of the laws that God had given Moses, that you should not eat certain foods, that you not you should not do certain things on certain days and so forth and so on. And all these things, these hundreds and hundreds of laws that they added, they did not come from God. They came from these Pharisees. And what they believed and taught others was that if you follow these set of rules and regulations that they came up with, that you would be all right in the eyes of God. Now, in our day and age, because we are looking back with hindsight, the Pharisees are criticized today. But during their time, 
when they were around, they were an, an honored part of society. The society, the the other Jews looked up to them because they were the educated Jews. They were the Jews that knew the what they what we would call the Bible, but what they would call the Torah, which is our Old Testament. That they had studied those things, that they were knowledgeable in those in those things, and that they were very religious because they succumbed. Where well, they were supposed to be the one who was actually keeping the law, which we would see they weren't. But they were esteemed. They were looked up to in, in their during their time. They were the scholars of the law, so they were looked up to. And so when they spoke, people listened to them. When they came to someone's house, they received the the main seat at the dinner table. So they were very held in high esteem when during their day. Now Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a part of that group. And not only that, he was a part of the ruling body of the Jews called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the ruling body of, of Israel. And it was more of a theocracy. And the theocracy is where the religion, religious body ruled the country. Everything was based around the temple, religion, being Jewish, their traditions. And those people that was at the top of that uh, rule, the nation was part of this council called the Sanhedrin. And so we see this man called Nicodemus, or name is Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee, and he's a part of the ruling body, the Sanhedrin, come to Jesus and have this conversation. And so that's what we're going to be looking at, this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus, and where Jesus introduced the concept of being born again. So let's look at John chapter 3, verse 2. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. But no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. And we see Nicodemus addressing Jesus as rabbi, which was a gesture of respect. But Nicodemus would have been considered or called a rabbi as well because, of, again, his position in the Pharisees and being involved or part of the ruling body Sanhedrin. So he is kind of showing respect to Jesus by calling him rabbi to the extent Nicodemus is seeing himself and Jesus is equal. I'm a teacher, you're a teacher. Not necessarily as recognizing Jesus as the son of God or as God. He's putting him on the same level as himself, which in his mind, he's, you know, he's up there because I'm, in his mind, I'm a part of the Pharisees. I'm a part of the Sanhedrin. So he's kind of, in his mind, elevating Jesus to his level, not knowing that he was talking to God in the flesh. But anyway, this verse tells us that Nicodemus at least recognized that Jesus had come from God because of the signs that he was doing. And he realized that from his experience, because, again, these were the, the scholars of the Old Testament. He realized that a man or person could not be performing the things, the miracles, the signs that Jesus was performing unless God was with them. And so he told Jesus that we know. I don't know necessarily that you're the son of God or God in the flesh, but I know God has to be with you. Otherwise, you would not be able to do the things that you're doing. So that's how he approaches Jesus when he he comes to him. He tried to give him some respect by calling him rabbi. And then he tell him, hey, I don't know exactly who you are, but I do know your God has to be with you because you're performing these signs. And I know you could not be performing these signs if God was not with you. Let's look at verse number three of chapter three in the book of John out of the New Testament. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And we see something here. Jesus going straight to the point because we don't see where Nicodemus asked Jesus about inheriting the kingdom of God, being saved or any of these things. But this goes back to what we were saying on last week in the end of chapter two, where it says that God or Jesus knows the heart of man. He knew why Nicodemus was there. 
He knew why Nicodemus was there. He knew Nicodemus' heart, and he just went right to the heart of the matter. And he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And when you hear this terminology, see the kingdom of God, he's referring to being saved or going to heaven. All those things are connected. So don't be confused when you're saying the kingdom of God, because only those people who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior would inherit and see the kingdom of God. And so basically what they're talking about is what we come to refer to as salvation. And he said, a person is not going to be saved or be or enter to the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And that was Jesus has just told him that. In other words, Jesus is explaining that a person cannot be saved from God's wrath and see and be with God in his kingdom unless they're born again. Born again, it means that a man has already had a natural birth. A child comes from a woman. But now that person must have a spiritual birth or rebirth, which comes from faith in Jesus and what he has done for us at the cross for dying for our sins. And once a person accepts that, then their spirit is born again by God, which we're going to see this explained, and that person becomes a new creature. Man, according to Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, is spirit, body, and soul. Look that up in Thessalonians 5, 3, which says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So man is a spirit that lives in a body that has a soul. Our soul is our personality, our emotions, our psyche. And so in order to be born again, that spirit has to be reborn. So what Jesus is telling Nicodemus and telling us through his word that in order to be born, excuse me, in order to be saved or to enter into the kingdom of God, we have to be born again. Moving on to verse number four. Again, we're in the book of John chapter three out of the New Testament. Verse four, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born again. So we see in verse four, Nicodemus did not understand what Jesus was talking about. He was confused when Jesus was referring to being born again, not understanding that Jesus is not referring to a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. Moving on to five, and Jesus is going to address that chapter three, verse five, it says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Jesus introduced his comment by twice repeating the word, amen, amen. And when we see this very rarely in the uh, original Aramaic, instead of seeing the word verily, verily, you will see our word, amen, which we usually say at the end of a prayer. But if you look at the Aramaic, the original Aramaic in which this was written in, it started, Jesus started this sentence by saying, amen, amen, which we eventually translate into the English Verily, verily, or some translations say, I assure you, or I tell you the truth. This Arabic word literally means faithful or believe. That is why the term is used at the end of a prayer or other statements, putting at the end of the phrase suggests hope that I hope or that what we were saying is true or be assured. However, putting the word amen, amen, and that's A-M-E-N at the beginning of a statement is a way of claiming that the speaker's this is the speaker's own personal declaration. So Jesus is declaring, he is telling Nicodemus, I said all that to say this, 
by putting the word amen, amen in front of this statement about you have to be born again. Jesus is declaring to Nicodemus and the rest of the world that this is an absolute truth that in order to be in order to be saved, you have to be born again. So what Jesus is telling us, this is an absolute condition in order to be saved, that our spirit has to be born again, born from God, made new. And that happens once a person accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And God regenerate or make new their spirit in his image. But going back to that part where it says born of water in this verse, that speaks of the natural or biological birth, which every human experienced because we're all born of a woman. So that's what that's talking about. And then he goes on to say being born in the spirit, which speaks of a spiritual birth, which is brought about by God alone. We can't make remake our spirit. God has to do that. No more when we have nothing to do with our natural birth. When we get ready to be born, we have nothing to do with that other than being just being born. Same way when we when there's a spiritual birth, we have nothing to do with that. That's God's work, nothing of us. So when Jesus, so what Jesus is saying, no one can enter the kingdom of God or be saved, same thing, unless their spirit is born, which is done, reborn, which is done by God alone once a person accepts Jesus as their savior. Moving on to verse six out of the chapter three of the book of John. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. As I stated earlier, this has to do with the natural birth, the flesh, going back to what Jesus is expounding on the previous verse where he talks about being born of water, which has to do with the natural biological birth. But also that has something to do with our human nature of using the term flesh or our sin prone conditions as human beings. So that's also alluding to Flesh giving birth to flesh also is alluding to the human nature, the human nature, when we say flesh, talking about our human flesh, that also sometimes refer to our sin prone conditions as human being, because as a as a human being, we are just we have a sin nature. We're prone to sin due to the original disobedience of Adam, which we all came from. The flesh is also symbolic or reference to our weakness our hostility towards God. So when Jesus is using this terminology, the flesh, he's really setting up two comparisons, the natural and the flesh, sin composed to the spirit of God, being born of the spirit is, is of God. So the comparisons of when you have something of the flesh, it only produces flesh, so sin only produces sin. But when you have something of, of God, the spirit, the spirit produces things of the spirit, and that spirit once a person accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they can begin to stop being hostile towards God and disobedience toward God. I said start because there's a process. Once a person is saved, you don't immediately just stop doing what you were doing in, in before you were saved. There's a process by studying the word of God, renewing your mind that you will want to be through that having that new experience want to stop doing those things that you was doing in the past, have seen it from a different perspective, not to say you're just going to stop doing whatever you fill in the blank overnight, because we as human beings, we don't work that way because you have so many years of human sinful experience and the fact that you're still in the flesh and the flesh want to continue to do those things. But having that new spirit would allow you, allow God to come into your life 
and start changing your behavior, start viewing things from a godly perspective that if you continue to read his word and renew your mind, make your mind new into the things of God, that you'll want to start changing your behavior and slowly you start changing your behavior, which sometimes referred to the sanctification process, which is a lifelong process, because as long as you are in this human body and the devil is running loose, you're going to be subject to temptations. But with a new spirit, you will want to fight that temptations. You want to do the things that God would have you to do and realize once you do fall or sins that you have a mechanism to go before God and confess those sins and ask for forgiveness and he will forgive you because you are now one of his children because you have accepted his son Jesus as his Lord and Savior and his word say that he will be faithful to forgive you and all of that comes about once you have that rebirth that Jesus is talking about right here moving on to verse 7 you should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again evidently Jesus, I'm again looking at verse 7 in chapter 3 of John. Jesus is before Nicodemus, and by this verse, evidently, Nicodemus, based upon his prior statement and probably his physical, how he's probably looking at Jesus, he was surprised by Jesus' statement. And just what Jesus was saying, you shouldn't be surprised by this statement that you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleased. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. This verse tells us about the born again experience that Jesus liking it to the wind that comes and go goes, but it's impossible to tell exactly how we can't really see the wind or predict anything about it. And the same way it worked, the work of the spirit is the same way, because even though we cannot see the wind, we know it exists. We can feel it. We can see the effects of it because if it gets high, it could blow over you, a car, a house in the form of a hurricane. That's wind. But we can't see it. We don't know how it's coming. We don't know where it's coming from, but we know it exists. And what Jesus is explaining here, the same with the works of the spirit of you being born again of the spirit. While you cannot see it, it exists. It's real. And maybe you may not understand it, just like you may not understand the wind. And how it blows is the same concept. The spirit is real, whether you can see it or understanding the spirit and the transformation of the person's spirit. Once they accept Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, it's just as real as the wind that you cannot see, but you know exists. John, moving on to verse nine and John uh, chapter three, the New Testament. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. That means he's well-educated, he's intelligent, he's, and he knows the laws of Moses and the rest of the Hebrew scriptures as, very, as well. But at the same time, Nicodemus came to Jesus looking for answers because he's seen these miracles. He wants to know what's going on with Jesus. However, he's not getting what Jesus is telling him because as a member of the Pharisees, remember what we said that they're based upon one that you know, they're all right with God because they have blood lineage to Abraham. And then two, that they follow these ritualistic laws that they've created, that you shouldn't eat certain food on certain days. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And if you do these things that you are right with God. So when Jesus tells him, in essence, what Jesus is telling him, doing all these things that y'all have put together, that you don't eat food on certain days, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. That doesn't get you into heaven. You have to have a spiritual birth. You cannot do 
anything in and of yourself by doing, following all these things, which have their value. Don't get me wrong. They don't have a value. They do have a value. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not have an idol or a God before me. These things, some of those things have their value, but they won't get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven, what Jesus is saying, is having this new birth. And Nicodemus is not understanding this because his whole life has been based upon and been teaching and teaching. He's been taught and been teaching others that if you follow these these set of rules, then that will get you in. So when Jesus come, he didn't mention anything about following all these rules, but instead he's talking about a new birth, spiritual birth experience. Nicodemus does not understand what Jesus is telling him because it's not about what his preconceived notion of, if I have this moral behavior, then that will get me into the kingdom of God. And when Jesus is really telling him, and Jesus knows it because he saw it, he's, he knows what in what's, in, what's in Nicodemus' heart. That in Nicodemus' heart, the way to heaven is to follow these moral codes. And Jesus is breaking it down that it's not about that. It's about being born again by ultimately accepting me as your Lord and Savior. But it looks like we're running short on time. And so we're not going to better complete the rest of the verses that I had planned all the way to verse 12, but we don't want to rush this. This is a very important aspect of the gospel, the word of God, understanding this new birth of being born again that, that Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus. So we're going to stop right here and we're going to pick it back up on next week, if the Lord says the same, where we continue our discussion about being born again. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus and sending him to die for our sins, that we may be born again, that we may be with you in your kingdom forever. Lord, there are those who are listening to this program that you've changed their heart to accept your son as their Lord and Savior, that they may be born again of the spirit. And Lord, at this time, I would ask you to just move on their heart that they will repeat this prayer after me, not wait till next Sunday, not wait the next five minutes, not 10 minutes, because we don't know what's going to happen in that time period. But to repeat it after me now that they may be saved and that they may be born again. And if that's you, repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I thank you for being my God. I thank you for changing my heart that now I can confess and believe in my heart that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die for my sins. And I accept that and I confess that. And I believe that I am now born again of the spirit as your word has proclaimed. I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive them, which your word say that you will, because now I'm a part of your family by accepting your son as my Lord and Savior. I thank you, Father God, for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and give thanks. Amen and amen. And if you repeated that prayer, according to God and his unfoundable and powerful word, you are now saved. You are born again and you can spend and will spend eternity with your heavenly father and will escape his wrath. Thank you for him, Lord. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus for them. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. We pray that this Bible study has blessed you. If you have a prayer request, you can email it to us at renewyourmind, the letter M, 
at gmail.com. Remember, you can hear current and past programs at any time on our website at www.rymm.cc. We encourage you to tell others about the program and share our website of www.rymm.cc. Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. By telling others about the program, you are doing your part to spread the gospel into all the world about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Until next time, this has been Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God.